This week's guest on More Than Running is Sarah Vaughn. Sarah is traditionally a middle distance athlete who even ran in the 2017 World Championship in the 1500. However, this week we're talking about all things California International Marathon, where she just won. Sarah's coached by her husband, Brett, and typically runs high mileage and balances her training, family life, and her full-time job as a realtor. If you listened to last week's episode, you know she is Kira D'Amato's new rival, and I can't wait to see how these mother runners duke it out over the marathon distance one day. At 35 and after her fourth baby, Sarah decided it was time to step up in the distance to the big 26.2 to keep her motivated off of a disappointing Olympic track trials. Sarah recently won CIM in a hot 2.26.53 and is just getting started. Welcome, Sarah. I'm here with Sarah Vaughn, the most recent champion of this California International Marathon, formerly known as a 1500 meter runner, jumping up in the ranks, skipping past the 5K, skipping right past the 10K, straight to the marathon. Guess we have to start there. Why? Did you do a marathon? <laughs> I mean, that's fair coming from another middle distance runner. Um, you know, I think I've, I, I've said this a few times, but I, I, I think it's not as big of a leap as most people assume. Um, my training most falls has looked pretty marathon-like um, for the last several years. I've done 100-mile weeks and 20-mile long runs um, and worked up to that point. I've been running post-collegiately for a while now. And, you know, every year we just add a little more and – um, add a little more mileage and just try to tweak where I was still gaining, um, making fitness gains. And this year coming off of a somewhat disappointing track season, um, I wasn't super motivated to do all those miles and long runs. Uh, I don't typically like that stuff and I'm usually by myself. And I just thought like, let's put some sort of race at the end of it to get me through some of those miles and we considered, you know, the half marathon champs for the same day, but I don't know, the marathon just, it's kind of been speaking to me for a while. So I just decided to go ahead and, um, pull that trigger and like announce I was doing it. Cause I feel like putting goals out there helps me be more accountable, especially when I don't have teammates I'm meeting every day. So yeah, that's, uh, that, in the in a nutshell, that's basically why I made the leap. So there's still full plans to do a track season after this. Yeah. Yeah. That's always been the plan. Um, I do have to go back and fill in some holes. Like you said, (laughs) skipped a few events there. Um, I mean, I've run a 5k on the track maybe twice, both as like a rust buster postpartum. Um, so like twice in the past five years and I would love to revisit that. And then I think that just, uh, the 10 K's, uh, calling to me as well. So I think, well, I'm excited. I think we're all excited to see what you can do in the other disciplines and, Like you said, as a middle distance athlete, it's cool to see, you know, not just doing a marathon, but like successfully doing a marathon, winning a marathon. Was that kind of your goal for sitting out to train for CIM? You're like, I want to win this and run really fast or I don't know, you're making it, you're kind of downplay. You're making it seem like you just wanted to, to do it. Well, I mean, I think if I'm a competitive person and the draw of the marathon, um, to me was like the competition of it. I don't, I didn't see myself doing a marathon after I retire from track for fun. Um, that was nothing, that was something that, um, never interested me. So I thought if I'm going to do one, yeah, I definitely want to be competitive at it and go for it. And, um, yeah, like really the only goal going into it was to try and win the race, whatever that looked like. 
So I really loved your a la Emma Bates recaps, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. for those listening who don't know, Emma did an amazing Chicago recap after running so well there. And you also explained on your Instagram kind of the thoughts and feelings behind your head. So I really kind of just want to get into the race a little bit, which is probably why a lot of people are listening. What was the most surprising thing to you about the marathon? Um, I think I just kept expecting something to go wrong. And, um, you know, because you're out there for a long time, any number of things can go wrong from your shoe coming untied to, you know, dropping a bottle or having to go to the bathroom. I mean, all kinds of disasters. And I avoided all of them. I mean, the day went so smoothly. I um, maybe was playing up too much in my head that something would go wrong, but I was just really pleasantly surprised that um, I didn't have to like make any big decisions mid race. It just kind of all happened organically. And I just kind of got to flow with it and enjoy like just instinctively racing. Um, So yeah, I mean, I guess there were no surprises was, was the biggest surprise. One of my favorite little tidbits that you wrote on one of your Instagram posts is that you took a gel because you didn't want it in your sports bra because it was annoying. And it was just so utterly relatable to have something just, you know, annoying you. So you changed it. And I think you said you got goo down your arm and then had to. So, you know, if those are the extent of your issues, I think you did pretty well. Yeah, I guess I did have that. I like opened it and I don't know why, because I thought I would maybe try and get to the next water station before I took it. And um, there's a I, one of the pictures I posted, my left hand is like normal and my right hand's like stiff, like a, like my hands out straight. Cause I think my glove had like dried goo. Um, so it looks kind of funny, but yeah, I, I did have to deal with that. And then I was like, I'll just take my gloves off. Um, no big deal. Crisis averted. <laughs> These aren't very dramatic crises, but in the scheme of marathon, I feel like it could really throw you aback. And I've heard CIM compared to a world major marathon can be pretty quiet at points. And there's not as many fans along the course. Were there kind of moments where you felt like you were alone out there with not that many people around? Or did you always kind of feel like there was someone cheering? There, you know, there weren't too many quiet spots. There were people cheering pretty much the whole way. Um, There were places that were much louder than others. Like I would go maybe for a mile or two without hearing somebody like cheer and they would just cheer for me because I was the first woman or um, some, you know, and so I did know some people along the course. And so I felt like that was pretty frequent, but there was a few stretches that were quiet. The last 5k were so loud that I couldn't even hear my watch beeping or, or like I had no, it was loud. It was, it was pretty awesome. And that last kind of 10k you mentioned, you had no idea if you were running well or poorly. Right. And that's kind of such an odd thing to think about as a track athlete because you have a massive clock at right. the finish line. You have all the feedback possible. You kind of know how you're going to feel. It's if, if you prepared. Me. Yeah. And if the track race feels good, you're like, it's not going to hurt the entire time. Right. So I'm just anticipating that. What did you think you were running? I like, I literally had no idea. I mean, you can't, I at least could not do math at the end of the marathon. So I was missing my watch beeping. I couldn't, I wasn't catching my splits. Um, but I also would like, there were clocks at the mile markers and I'd be like, what? I couldn't remember what I was at the last one. And then I think even like the last 5k, I was trying to add what we ran for our first 5k to predict my finish time. Um, so I thought I'd be a lot closer to 2:30. I didn't realize that I picked it up so much, but 
like I said in my recap, I also thought I was getting chased down. And in my head, it made perfect sense if I was running 520s that somebody was running 455s to catch me. Like that was happening in real life in my in my head. So um, I'm glad that I got freaked out that way because I definitely was able to push a little bit more than I think I would have. But yeah, not much feedback and not much you know, it was all so unfamiliar. I had never run longer than 22 miles. So every mile after that was new territory. So yeah, I just, I really had no idea. And it's a really unfamiliar feeling too, when you get really deep in the well. And I, my breathing actually felt decent. I mean, I was breathing hard, but like in a track race, like in a 1500, you, it's like your legs and lungs go out equally. And, um, I felt like my legs were failing me before my lungs, uh, the last couple miles, like I could still kind of say one word things to Brent give him some feedback or give him some thumbs up, but I could not make my legs move faster. It was a strange feeling. And you had a pacer. Uh, we had the group had a pacer. Um, yeah, he was, he was meant to go to 30 pace. I think the whole way, I, I think he finished. Did you guys, he stayed with you or you kind of just took off. You're like, I'm done with you. Goodbye. I, I kept inching in front of him on some of the early downhills, not really on purpose. I just, you know, would hit a downhill and it felt better to me to kind of let it go on the downhills and kind of roll with it. And I think there's even a few pictures of me, like I would slow down and tuck back in behind him Look and back. I'm like apologizing to him. Like, dude, I'm sorry. Like I'm not trying to push the pace on you. This is just feels better this way. And I fought that for a few miles and then like, yeah, about, I think it was a seven mile mark. There's a pretty long downhill with a turn. And I went ahead of him to grab my water bottle and turn. And then after that, I, you know, I just pretty quickly had like a 20 meter lead on him, I, th I think, or somewhere around that. And then that's when I debated with myself, like, do I slow way back down and tuck in the pack? My race instructions were definitely not to lead at the seven mile mark. So I knew <laughs> that I would like, I, don't, I just wasn't sure of my move. Like it wasn't an intentional move. I'm going to break the pack open at this point. It was just like a long downhill. I'm going to go with it. It feels better on my body to roll. And then I was like stuck out in front and didn't like pretty reluctantly. Well, Hopefully this means there's another marathon in your future that you can, you know, use these newfound tactics that you have to apply. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot and I for sure want to do another one sooner rather than later. Probably not in the next few months, but um, definitely 2022. And you mentioned that your husband is also your coach. Has he been your, your coach for a long time? Yeah, since, well, since 2017, he took over. Yeah. So after you made the world championship team, kind of Before. switched before. So mm -hmm. he's the secret sauce. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. I mean, he knows me pretty well. And I think the biggest thing, um, with him coaching me is just that like he can make adjustments and be much more mindful of my like whole life um, schedule, you know, like all the stuff that goes into my energy consumption, he witnesses or is part of. So he understands that it makes sense to move things around sometimes. And that's been really beneficial. Well, this is the More Than Running podcast, so we'd be remiss not to talk about all the other things that you do. And there's four little things at home. Yeah. There's also your career as well. So I think we have to start about with what keeps you motivated to train at such a high level with you know a large volume of time-consuming intensity. I think the biggest thing is that I still love it. You know, I've I've told myself after every season. Um, you know, when you get tired towards the end and you don't tend to love it as much, I've, I've always told myself it's okay if I want to walk away, if the fire doesn't come back and I, you know, I'll take a break and I'll step away from the sport and I just always miss it. 
pretty terribly, like usually a few days later. So I just, I know it's still there. I know I still, um, I still have more to give. And so I guess just the pure love for the sport is what keeps me coming back. And, you know, if I set big goals and know what it takes to get there, then that keeps me on task and accountable. Well, on my last episode of the podcast, we had your newfound nemesis. Yes. <laughs> um, Kira has now officially announced you as her rival. So yeah. I wanted to see how you felt about, you know, having a rival. I texted her um, for some like life advice the other day. Um, so, you know, our rivalry is starting off on a very friendly foot. Um, <laughs> I was just like texting her about something completely unrelated to the rivalry, just sort of like a work question and just to get some feedback from her. So yeah, she's, she's a sweetheart. I'm happy. I would love to race her though. Like, it's funny. I think she told you about the time I called her after her 5k and I was, I was like, that was, I was it, very like in awe of what she did and, and super respectful of it. And, um, I didn't ever really imagine even at that point that I could possibly race her someday because I was like, she's doing all these distances that I have no interest in. So I would love to have a matchup with her at some point though. I know. I really would love to see you guys duke it out in a marathon. And I think rivalry is, you know, we're going to, it's going to take on a whole new meeting because it's just a respectful rivalry at the end of the day. Cause you guys have both have a lot going on. You share the same profession and kind of are setting the bar higher. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, who else could I call who could even understand this question? Like literally no one on earth except for Kiara D'Amato understands what I'm trying to ask her. Like she has kids, she works full time. She's putting in all the miles. So uh, yeah, I mean, I love that, that we will be able to race and, and we can definitely have fun with a rivalry, but I also love that like she's willing to talk to me. And I mean, because even in our like real estate world, not a lot of realtors are um, super open about their business practices. Like it's a, you're oh, interesting. self-employed, you're an individual. And so like, um, hasn't been always been super easy to like find a mentor, but especially someone who's a pro runner too. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. My mom is a realtor and she's told me it's very, um, very competitive. You know, everyone's trying to go after the same thing. So exactly. it's a- there's a lot of parallels to running in that way. We are like, there's a ton except for, I don't know. There's not really like, Oh, we all PR at the end of the day. It's like, there's kind of a winner and a loser. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. The biggest parallel I always talk about is like the delayed gratification. Like if you're working in real estate, you can be showing a person homes for months and then you go under contract and you're, you just have to keep waiting and waiting. Like, you know, you go under contract and it's six weeks till you get paid. And so you could be working for six months before you see the paycheck. And that's kind of how distance running is. Oh, I think distance running might be worse. It's true. Well, I mean the direct paycheck analogy. Yeah. But just like working, working, working until you like get a little glimmer of hope and, and see your work pay off. Um, yeah, that's a good parallel. I want to switch topics a little bit to talk about your family and kind of how they felt about your marathon success and kind of the aftermath. I know you said your husband was the race. Um, did your kids have the ability to watch? Um, and what, how they feel about it? Yeah. I, I learned a long time ago that it's a lot easier for me to like switch hats from nurturing mother to fierce competitor if I leave them at home. So they weren't able to watch. I don't think there was any sort of streaming. I think, uh, my oldest, my 15 year old was following along, um, like on Instagram and, and Twitter Oh, and actually I think she had the tracker going too. Um, but they called me immediately after, like I FaceTimed with Kiki probably within five minutes of, of finishing. Um, and they, yeah, they were super stoked. They, 
you know, I think even more so for the marathon, I was really intentional about looping them in on my goals and why I was doing what I was doing. Um, just cause the training was a little bit higher volume and, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't get a bunch of chances at it. Like, like in a track season, you get a race 10 times. And I knew that I had to set this up a little bit differently. Um, cause I feel like during the track season, they get a little weary of me traveling and like racing again and again. And it kind of like diminishes the value of, or the importance of each race. So this time I was like one race, one big race at the end of it, very big deal. And everybody was like on board and a little bit more forgiving and understanding when I, you know, was a little extra tired or wanted to go to bed early or had to miss this or that. They were, um, I felt like they were more of a team this time, which was cool. That's such a unique thing to think about of just the travel element that you got to just be home for your whole I don't know how many, like 16 week, 20 week, however long it was training block being in one place. And you kind of live in one of the most perfect places in the world to do that in Colorado. So did you get kind of, was it smooth sailing the whole time? Were there any bumps in the road along the way? It was really nice to stay home. Like I basically hadn't traveled for a race since um, Prefontaine, which I think was in August. So it was really good to be at home for the whole training block. Um, we, I had some bumps, but more like energy balance uh, stuff. Like I didn't deal with any in- injuries. It was more like every once in a while I have to work a 60 mile or a 60 hour week while I'm trying to run a hundred miles. And it just, it was a lot. Like I, I definitely had a breakdown probably six weeks ago. <laughs> it's just like, it was hard. Parenting got hard that week and a lot of things got hard all at once. So you know, I mean, it was smooth as far as my body handled the work. Okay. But, um, sometimes I just can't control when I get busy and when I don't. And so just like learning to accept to have a a tough week, like that's just the way it goes sometimes. And just trying to like learn from that and grow from that instead of letting it get me down, which is different than in track season when sometimes those weeks fall on an important race week. So do you have any skills or kind of things that you've learned through this cycle that you can, you know, share to the audience or people listening of, you know, when those tough weeks happen, how to bounce back and reframe? Because I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast, you know, it's more likely that they're working a 60 mile week and trying to fit things in than, you know, fit life around the 60 mile, 100 mile week. You know what I'm trying to say here? Right. Exactly. So what, as someone who's competed at a very, very high level for a long time, how have you been able to rework that and with all your new additions to the family, how does that kind of change over time? I think the biggest thing that I try to remember in the moment, like when I'm having one of those weeks or one of those days or sessions um, where I'm feeling really overwhelmed is I, it's okay sometimes to just go through the motions um, and just, you know, get your body through the workout done is better than perfect. Um, and you know, when I was having that week a few weeks ago, that's what I did. I, I thought about pulling the plug on the warm up, got through the warm up, did my drills, like literally just robotically went through the workout and felt a little better throughout the workout as I got going, but it wasn't amazing. Um, and yeah, I got done with it. I checked the box and I moved on. And I think like reframing it at the end for me, I'm like, workload is workload. And if I'm on my feet and working a big week at at my real job, if I can balance that in some way with some sort of rest, that's still going to pay off for me is how I think of it. I don't know if there's any truth or science to that, but same thing with the kids. Like if I'm, you know, at a soccer game all morning and then have to go run and I have all this extra time on my feet, I'm like, let's just, let's, let's bank that in the training 
bank and try to recover from the whole day. And um, hopefully I'm better off for it. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach. You can monitor your recovery, sleep, training, and health with personalized recommendations and coaching feedback with Whoop. I've been loving my 4.0, especially the feature, which is a haptic alarm, which vibrates on your wrists and wakes you up when you're in the green. It's been something that's been so great, especially on those days where I don't have a set alarm. If you're looking for a last minute holiday gift for someone in your life who's trying to improve their health and fitness, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use code Dana at checkout. Head to join.whoop.com backslash more than running and use code Dana for 15% off on any Whoop membership. Let's stay in the green. I'd love to talk a little bit about if you're comfortable about sponsorship and kind of if there's going to be new opportunities that have been bubbling up ever since running this marathon. And if a sponsor came out of the woodworks, would you take a step back from your realtor job and kind of focus more on running or are you happy with the way things are right now? I think um, I won't. I like my job. Like I really like real estate too. Just just like running, I, I love it and that's what keeps me going. Um, even when days and weeks aren't perfect and when it gets hard. So I don't know. I mean it would have to be a large sum of money <laughs> to get me to step back because I worked so hard in my real estate career too for many years to support my running career and I've built a pretty cool business. And I've also we you know, as a family, we've also built a lifestyle around that. So um I don't know that I would that I would ever take a step back from running. I think if I got a sponsor who was able, you know, to actually pay me, I would probably hire somebody to help me in my real estate career so that I could offload some of the burden of like the stuff I don't like as much, like the office work and the behind the scenes stuff. And that way I could still, you know, keep my clients happy and and serve them at the level I'm used to. Um, I think that's what I do with like an, an influx of money. Um, I don't, I, I think that's going to happen. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't have anything in writing, nothing, no contracts on my desk. So we'll see. Well, it's also a weird time of the year. I feel like, you know, in about two days or whenever this podcast comes out, people are just about to check out for, you know, the next two weeks to the end of the year. So it is an interesting thing in the running world where, you know, contracts expire at this time. And then there's a dark period, then you're like, don't know what happens. And it's all just such a weird, convoluted, messed up box that I really, you know, we're all rooting for you and really want to see you be able to have that contract. I mean, you certainly are running at a world-class level to earn it and have been for a very long time. So, you know, if anyone's out there listening, let's get on it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think something will come together. It's just, I've had to be a little careful too. Like I, I you know, at this point I've run without a sponsor for however many years and I, I kind of like that too. I like that I don't have a bunch of extra obligations and can go to the races I want to do. And so I hope that somebody, if they want to come on board, is like ready to like help me share my story and do the cool things that I want to do in this sport. And it isn't just like a cookie cutter, um, you know, sign this paper and run these races. Like, I don't know. I'm hoping it's something a little more collaborative. What part of your story do you feel like has been undertold to this point? That's such a good question. Um, I think, I mean, I love to talk about our, our scholarship fund and, um, I don't know if a lot of people know that, um, that we have, we have a scholarship for parenting undergrads. And I guess that's the part of my story that, um, sometimes people don't realize that we had Kiki in college 
and we, um, you know, went through a lot in doing that. And like, I hope that I would have a lot, a uh, lot to share with someone going through a similar experience. So, um, like sort of my way to give back and like all of my race money that I've made over the last several years has gone to this scholarship fund, um, all the prize money. So yeah, um, that's a close, I hope to grow that into like a nonprofit someday. I don't have the bandwidth to do that right now, but like someday I would love to do that. What is the name of the sponsor of the scholarship? It's super lame. It's called the Vaughn family childcare endowment or something like that. That's not lame. That's well, a good name. It's not, it's not super creative, but yeah, it's, 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 you know, it pays for childcare for, um, an undergraduate parent, which, um, which is tricky. So happy to help with that. Well, I, yeah, I think that there is definitely a wave of, you know, wanting to tell people stories in a new way and it's coming from all angles. So I'm excited to see that and, you know, maybe a logo and something along the way for the scholarship mm-hmm. fund as well. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. So I wanted to talk a little bit too about all your kids as well. So I know you've mentioned Kiki by name and then you have three other little kids as well. So how, what are their ages? Yep. So Kiki's 15. Um, Kalia is 11. Cassidy is six and David is two. How has been having David, you know, as a family member who, you know, he's the one who doesn't really know what's going on, but he's probably still at home. What's been like having such a young kid? Uh, he's just so spoiled. I mean, his sisters like dote on him and just love him. And like, it's, he just fits seamlessly into our family dynamic to the point where like my husband and I, but even like the older girls were like, what would we do without him? Like, what did we do before? It must've been so boring with just a five person family. We were totally meant to be a six person family. (laughs) So yeah, he's pretty awesome. I mean, he's in a very different stage of life than his sisters. Well, they, you know, they're all four years apart, the uh, typical, the Olympic cycle, um, babies, but yeah, just to like have a toddler again. Um, I don't know. It's pretty fun. I'm sorry. I am one of, you know, three girls with a youngest brother. So I think it's the best combination of siblings. I have an older sister, younger sister, and a younger brother. So I was going to ask where you were in the lineups, your middle girl. Okay. I'm middle girl. I think it's, um, you know, maybe my brother will speak differently, but he, he's the last one and yeah, definitely had so much love from his sisters over the years, but we're going to his college graduation and we're all like, how did this happen? You were just like this small little one for so long. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. So I want to talk about how you celebrated your race. So you went to Napa. Yeah and had a nice getaway for the weekend. Did you think about running at all during that time or did you kind of shut off? How does your brain work? Yeah, I I can be, I I know how to take a break. I like my breaks. So I was able, well, I did run the next day because I got really stiff, like in the hour car ride the night before and then like went straight to bed. So the next morning I felt like we needed to go for a walk or a little jog or something. Um, But besides that, I was able to, check out from like the training part of running, like the running world, you know, it was got lots of messages and lots of like people to talk to. And it's funny, like we went to a few tastings in Napa and at almost all of them, there was another person who had run and you could like identify each other by how you walked up or down the stairs. (laughs) So we were at one and I saw this guy like kind of going sideways down the stairs and I was like, you ran Cal international marathon, didn't you? He was like, yeah, you did too, didn't you? And so it was kind of fun. Um, to connect with like 
running community in Napa. But we had planned that trip, like, no matter what was going to happen at the marathon. Like, we were either going to go in celebration or go wallow. Either way, we were going to go. So we were really happy to, like, have a little um, a little trip, just my husband and I, which we don't get to do too often. So the big question is red or white wine? Yeah, I tend to be a red uh, red drinker, but I tried some really good Napa Valley Chardonnays that I was like pleasantly surprised with. So we came home with a bottle of that too. So they really try to upsell you at those places too. They you could do. go home. You could go home with so much wine. We're good at it. We came home with a lot of wine. Yeah, <laughs> but it was so fun. And man, the hospitality there was great. So I um, I really enjoyed our time. Did you save a bottle that you'll open when you win your next marathon? Uh, yeah, we did. The, um, the first season we went to, they, um, opened a special bottle for us for, to celebrate, which was super sweet. So we bought a couple of those to save for like next celebrations. So obviously next year is, you know, the world championship is on us soil in Eugene and I expect your eyes are kind of set on going for making that team. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't, um, I think it'd be so hard to pass up. I mean, it's in our backyard, it's in the stadium that we all love. And even just to like run the team trials there, um, I I think I'll be so excited to do that. I really, besides like the fact that I had a terrible race, really liked racing in that stadium for the trials. So um, yeah, I definitely plan on participating. So you mentioned that there are some gaps that you normally did things that you didn't normally do for your fall training. So is that kind of, you know, not having any speed in particular hills? Like what kind of is that missing building block that you're going to bring in when you end your break? Yeah, it's definitely the speed work. We were on the track one day since August. We did one track workout. Everything else was on the roads. So mostly that and like some weight room stuff that we just approached a little differently. Um, And I mean, yeah, like we didn't do any true mile workouts we did strides and on the track I did I think that day I did like 28 400s or something it wasn't like a track workout that I'm used to so it's a lot of 400s that's a lot yeah (laughs) we did it so that we started each one at a different um you know 100 meter mark to help keep track and you break it up into sets of fours it makes it a little easier to keep track of what is your favorite 1500 meter workout this is a very telling thing for me for 1500-meter runners because it just it, I feel like it exposes a lot about who you are. Oh, well, I, I mean, I don't know what this says about me, but I love 300s. Like, okay. Like two by five by 300 is like pretty classic like at altitude workout where you try to hit race pace or get a little faster. Or sometimes we do like 10 straight through. Or sometimes we do like a little bit more, like 12 to 15 with shorter rest, like a 100-meter jog. So I feel like that workout's so dynamic, like 10 by 300, you could do it three different ways, depending on what part of the season you are and what you're getting ready for. But it can be like three completely different workouts. See, now I don't even know, because a lot of people will say slay involving 200s, and people will say 400s, and you brought 300s in, so now you're your own category. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) So as someone who's been on the circuit for a long time, you know, you see people graduate, come out of school, and you bring a certain level of experience to these races, um, how does it feel to kind of, you know, kind of grow up through the system and be able to race people and be introduced to new people on the circuit every single year? Yeah, I mean, this sport's been so good to us. Like some of our best friends are like literally my biggest rivals and competitors. Um, it's funny, I've, I have gotten to the point 
though, where I'm far enough removed from the NCAA that I, like, I don't know most of the people that I race against now. Like it's gotten fewer and fewer each year of, um, people keep retiring. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's such a cool community to be a part of. And, um, yeah, my favorite things are like the relationships that transcend sport and are just like about real life now. Who are kind of your best friends in the circuit, you would say? Yeah. So I met Katie, um, Katie Follett a long, long time ago. We came out of college about the same time and we'd always end up being roommates on trips or, I mean, always in the same races. So I feel like we raced each other every other weekend, you know, this whole time. And she's out in Colorado now. She's just down the road in Longmont. Um, and she just had her first baby. So that's been really fun for us to share. Um, you know, cause she's known Kiki, basically Kiki's whole life and my other kids too, as they've come into the world. And so it was like really fun to, um, to share her pregnancy. And, and now that she's a new mom, Probably give some really good advice there too. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I'd like to think so. And I always tell like my friends, like I'm an open book about running and pregnancy. So nothing's off limits. So yeah, I'm, I hope that I can be a resource for people, but like, honestly, it was just as beneficial for me, like to, to see her go through that. And like from, from a friend perspective, um, yeah, it was just really special. I'm really happy for her. I hope to see her back racing soon too. She's always such a fierce competitor. I don't think she's going anywhere. Like I definitely still think she has the itch. She might tell you differently, but I've, um, yeah. Based on the questions she's been asking me lately, I'm like, yeah, it's coming. She's, she's coming back. Ooh. Can you tell after seeing people have retired versus not retired that there's like some code words that you're like, okay, they're done or they still got it. I mean, I just, I think you can see the fire if, if people have it or if they don't, like, do they want to show up to the track? Do they miss it? Do they miss the grind? Cause it's like, it can be a big haul. And, and especially when you're like moving on in life, when you have work or kids, like the commitment, um, it can be tough. Like it's not, it's not easy. Uh, it's not as easy, I suppose, when you're working and have kids to make the big commitment than if it's really the only thing on your plate. So like, I guess I can just tell, I don't know if there's code words. I guess I can just tell like if, if they miss it or, or not. I kind of love that too. You know, as someone who I, I had a tough year with some injury and stuff and you can kind of feel the days that you're like, all right, it's time to get back at it. And the yeah. other days that you're like, all right, we need a break. But yeah, it's always nice to have such um, strong women to be feel inspired by. And I feel like your performance at CIM was a really inspiring move, especially with someone who was a middle distance athlete stepping up in the world and, you know, proving for the rest of us, like, Hey, you can, you can do whatever event you want, even if it's outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, I think being outside my comfort zone actually even made it like, like a bigger commitment too, because I was very nervous. I was like, so scared to even announce that I was going to do it. I was like, because it could go terribly wrong. I had no idea. So, so it, I think like a, you asked me earlier, like what lessons I learned, I think just like getting outside of your comfort zone, you can make big jumps. And that, that was really appealing to me during like training for the marathon too. Other than doing another marathon, is there kind of a race on your bucket list that hasn't happened yet? Um, I mean, anything at the Olympics. <laughs> well, yes, that, there's that one. 3K, 5K, 10K, anything, marathon, whatever. Um, and then, your steeple? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anything like that. So, um, but I don't know, like any, I also love anything put on by New York Roadrunners, like the mini 10k or like any women's centered, um, event. Like, I know there's some women's only 10ks and stuff, and that would be, I think, really fun. Do you feel like you kind of, you know, represent 
being like a female advocate in everything that you do, it kind of has come up a couple of times in our conversation. And it's something that I've always admired you for, but I feel like that seems like a strong part of, you know, the core of who you are is being an advocate for other women. Yeah. I mean, I, I am pretty senior in this sport and I hope to like step into more of an advocate mentor role for anybody who needs it. And I, you know, also I'm like a mom. So maybe that's like part of my nature at this point too. But um, yeah, I definitely feel that on a deep level that I need to need to be an advocate for the right causes and for, you know, whatever, whatever there's a need for. And I've seen like such change in the sport in the last decade that it's like, makes me really excited that people can make a difference. All right. My last question will be on that same vein of be for someone who just graduated, who wants to, you know, have longevity in this sport and, you know, hasn't seen that clear path. What would the advice be to them? I think that, um, I mean, and this might be contrary to a lot of, uh, advice that other pro runners would give, but like, I think it's okay to, um, you know, take your own timeline, like not necessarily take your own path, but take your own timeline to get there. Like there's resources and there's training groups and there's all this stuff at our disposal. But if you have to go get a full-time job and if, or a part-time job, even if you have to do whatever, it doesn't mean that like you can't compete with the people who come out of college and just, you know, all they have to do is run. So yeah, I think it's just really important to like, not everybody will thrive with as much stuff on their plate as I do. And I think that's totally fair, but I also think like giving yourself something outside of the sport to kind of round, round out your life. Um, I don't know. It makes the wins more special and it makes the losses a little more palatable when you can move on and, you know, you have to go to work on Monday or whatever. Um, I don't know. It makes it easier for me. So I suspect that would be the case for some people as well. I definitely resonate with that. And I think it just makes you feel like, you know, in college you did so much people studied, they did school, they ran, and then you leave and you kind of think the only way you can be good is one way. So yeah. there's so many different ways to be good and so many different ways to train. I had no idea that you were training all these falls at a hundred miles a week. Yeah. That's my biggest takeaway from this is that I'm just fully impressed by, uh, you know, everything that you've done on and off the track and we'll be cheering for you from the more than running pod side and hope that you enjoy your break and can celebrate a little bit more. So we will see you on the track in the spring for sure. Sounds good, Gina. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Sarah. As the holidays come near and the year is coming to an end, I'm just so grateful to have all the listeners of More Than Running in my life. I want to give a huge shout out to everyone who's liked, given a review, given me feedback, guest recommendations. I truly take all this to heart and I want to make this podcast the best it can possibly be. The More Than Running with Dana podcast is part of the Sidious Mag Podcast Network and is produced by Meg Zorzolo. I can't wait to create more for you guys in the upcoming year and just have more women who inspire me and hopefully inspire you on the pod. Have a happy and healthy new year.